0: Good morning, ladies, and welcome to our final installment for Megillah's Esther this year, Tafshin Pei Aleph. This is should be the year it's, it's the show of Mashiach to Um I, we are now at Paragdalid. That's where we finished the first three Prakim. We have learned an amazing amount of lessons, and we are con- going to continue to do so, change our lives, get into the proper spirit of Purim, and hear the Megillah explain as never before by mostly, I said, Rav Revda, Levracha. And also we are going to, at times, bring in some other commentaries and I will quote them when necessary. Okay, Perak Dalet, after Perak Gimel is the Haman Perak where, you know, Haman comes on the scene and makes this evil decree to annihilate men, women, and children because one man doesn't bow down to him. We find um, Perak Dalet, Pasuk Aleph, the first verse, Mordechai yada as a nasa. He had ruach hakadosh. He knew what was going on. Mordechai sak the And then by tzakza kag dolah What does Mordechai do when he first hears the news? He davens. He 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 mourns. He tears his clothing. He he uh, puts on sackcloth and ether and he goes and 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 um, and he screams it's a terrible scream. Now, when he knows what happened, he realized, Mordecai knew, that there were two reasons why the Jews were having this gezerah, this punishment. Do any of you know? Well, I can't get into this. You're right now on Zoom. I forgot. So instead, I'll tell you, the two reasons were, one, way back when, they still haven't atoned for the sin that they bowed down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, because in those days, they were taken to task for that small thing. And the second reason why they uh, were being punished here was that 18,500 people attended Ahasuerus' party when Mordechai had told them a navi, a tzaddik had told them not to and they didn't listen and they went anyways and the whole Jewish people are responsible for each other so now there was going to be some decree. The first thing he did is tefillah. Most people today, their first reaction is, let's get someone on the phone. I have political connections. I'll call Esther. I'll call the goodest Yisrael to act on my behalf. I'm going to get people involved, Get you round up the troops, do something. Mordechai, on his holy madrega, on his holy level, realized that's the first address. How much, how often do we make that our first address? You know, instead of going and petitioning, especially he's got the sister in the White House here. You know, that he, he's still, it doesn't matter. He first turns to tefillah. Now, what does it t- say? It says the expression here, za'kag la umara. there is another place in Tanakh where we see this expression. Could someone tell me where that is? Za'kag la umara. Who else said it? You can tell me by chat. Raise you your hand. I can't raise my own hand. I mean, I could, but it doesn't help. Okay, now we gave you enough time for thinking, ladies. Some in the chumash. The eshaf, when- isn't it? The uh, bnei Israel in Mitzrayim, they gave gave a big yell, shriek. bnei Israel. Okay, bnei Israel. heard b'ai them by tzakol by by and we cried out to Hashem. We say that in the Haggadah. But this exact expression is used somewhere else in Tanakh. Somebody else said something. I uh, not not been to show me, somebody said something else. Asav. Asa. Okay, that's that's Didi Zlotnik who heard me before. Yes, Asa. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Your memory's still there. Thank you. Hey, I remember, I remember something. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Okay. What does it mean by What does it mean? Why we, why is this the same expression used by Aesap? When did sub say it? He said it when he lost the brachas to Yaakov. He screamed a powerful scream. Guess what, folks? We're told it says, Elohim, Es Eshanirda. When somebody is hurt, a filu, even if it's a tzaddik, that by accident, insulted a Russia, Hashem always takes the side of the downtrodden. He always takes the side of the underdog. And because even though, albeit there was nothing wrong in what occurred, but since somebody's feelings were hurt, that person has to suffer. One time, Rabbi Feinstein banged his head against us, something, and he right away said, who did I hurt? Now he said, he said about himself after he passed away that he never hurt another human being. By the way, besides his greatness in the Torah, perhaps that's how it made Rabosha Ramosha, He said he never remembers in his life, and he did a lot of soul searching, that he ever insulted another human being. Um, in any case, the Elohimia Vakesh, we have to keep that in mind, that you know, even when we have to rebuke somebody, when we have to talk to somebody, if we're going to hurt someone's feelings, vakesha Sanirga, and this is what happened. Asa. And same thing with Yishmael, because Sarai afflicted Hagar. Till today, Hashem is hearing the voice of Yishmael because of the one time that Yishmael was afflicted by Hagar. That Yishmael's mother was afflicted, I mean, Hagar was afflicted by Sarah. So too, we have to be realized that because way back when Esav was hurt, now comes the moment. Just like Asaf screamed to scream, he lost out in the brachas, now we are screaming the same exact scream. the same expression is used in the Megillah to express the suffering of the Jewish people. Now what does he do? It says uh, he went to the middle of the he just starts he just starts screaming. he also he went to Socha'ir. he made a prayer session, he made a whole prayer rally that everyone should go and pray via HaMelech, uh, base in Perak Dalid. he went, that's chapter four verse two. He went until the the, the royal area. We talked about the royal area last week. He didn't go to the royal area because you're not allowed to go there. It's not appropriate to go there when you're in sackcloth. Now, remember, he's got Esther in the palace. He's got a great ally that could help him. But no, it's more important to talk to the biggest ally, right? We have to talk to the biggest ally. And that's how we're going to get our help, not by some small change human beings. I have to throw this story in here. I, I may have mentioned it before. I love this story. Years ago, there was a man, a uh, uh, from man that had a cap factory somewhere in New York State. He made caps, but he had a interesting, um, uh, interesting way to express himself. Whenever he'd be sitting at his desk and someone would enter the store, the factory, and they'd ask him, "Who's the boss here?" He'd always point up like that. So we mentioned. I think I don't know if you if you remember the story or not. But one time what happened was um, he started noticing that that, there weren't, that for when they were distributing caps and mani, you know, uh, um, shipping them out, they noticed that they were short. Their orders were always short in caps. And, um, and he, he said someone on, uh, in the company must be like taking some for themselves. Like they're not, something's going wrong. The reason why we're all, like, you know, he'd be sending out 500 and they'd only get 497 let's say. You know, there was always short and something was wrong. So he figured he had to do something. So he uh, he started watching carefully his employees to see which one of them could be taking some of the, the stock. Anyways, there was this one, um, one time one of the women was leaving uh, the factory and a few caps fell out of her bag. So now he had the culprit. He had the person, one of his workers, he told her, I'm sorry, I can't continue employing you. You were caught stealing. You can't any longer work for me. So, uh, she wasn't too happy. The next day he's sitting at his desk. A man comes in looking really aggressive and angry. And he says, where's the boss? Where's the boss? And he does his usual shtick. He goes (laughs) like, so the man says, uh, meanwhile, while he's doing that, the man says, let me know. And he has, he sees all of a sudden that there's a knife sticking out of this guy's back pocket. And, um, so he, you know, discreetly calls 911 behind his desk and the police come and they, you know, they arrest him. And the man turned out was the brother of the woman that was fired the day before. He was very angry. She was like, go, and he went to take revenge. But because he kept saying who the real boss is, that's what saved his life. You know, if we have the same practice that, uh, like Mordechai, really go to Hashem, not to inter- inter- intermediaries, and realize we have to do our Hishtablos, we have to do our efforts, but first go to the real boss, that's how we're going to get somewhere. Pasa Gimel. And in every every country... Um, all of a sudden, they proclaimed, you know, fast. Everybody's like uh, putting on sackcloth and crying. Sakh afer yutsala rabim. They're they're putting on sackcloth and 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 dust for everybody. Now, All of a sudden, we find that um, the 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 women that were serving Esther. We said she had seven maidservants. One of them was a Jew. So reminder of Shabbos, they kept Shabbos together. One of her maidservants wouldn't disclose her identity. So these, these women narrows Esther and they told her, but according to some aforeshem, she miscarried a child she was expecting with at that point, or she just, she was just very upset. You know, um, how means like to begin it began and began and began. That's what means she gave birth again and again, which means like a miscarriage. It's the only time you use this expression in Tanakh. And she sent clothes to, to put, she heard Mordecai is all distressed. Send clothes to him, he wouldn't accept the clothes. Now this, today probably people would accept the clothes and they wouldn't be, they're doing the right thing. They first turn to Hashem, then they do their Ishtad list, But But he was on such a holy level, he realized there's only one address, we have to turn to Hashem. So then pusikhe she calls Hasach. Hasach, they tell us, is Daniel. And Daniel was one of the, you know, one of the servants of the king. And she told, she said, go to Mordechai and find out, what is this and why is this? Like what's happening and why are you doing it? She knew everything he does is with a reason. a big tzaddik thinks before he makes a move and she wanted to know what was going on. Okay, so now, um, okay, Pasig Vav, sixth verse. And Hasak went to Mordechai. Uh, before Shachar Melech, and I told Mordechai everything. Asher Karahu, Pesach Zion. Karahu is a hint that there's an Amaleki problem. Um, Amalek, when he, Amalek came to fight against the Jewish people, it says Asher Karcha Baderach. He made cool the ways for the Jewish people. Um, Karah with an with the hey means coincidence. It just happened. Amalek always has that attitude. There's no God. There's no godliness. Everything just so to speak happened. So he's telling him a share karo. There's an amalek problem here. This is what Daniel's telling Mordechai. The Espar Shasa Kesev, he's telling him also he gave him 10,000 silver talents. Uh, Haman gave, you know, to, to the king's treasury to get rid of the Jews. And then also the Pasheg and Ksav Hadas. Also, the, there was an edict put out already on paper uh, to, to destroy them, to tell Esther. And to command her to go to the king, to beg him, to beg him for her nation. Plastic test, verse 9, chapter 4. Hasach goes, tells Esther, like it's all back and forth there. And then Esther tells him, um, everybody knows that no one can enter the king's inner chamber without being, you know, summoned. And I have not been summoned for 30 days. Uh, and they told Mordecai, and then Mordecai goes back to Esther. I have to say these words, I'm trying to paraphrase so we can finish as much of the McGill as possible. But anyways, um, Mordecai, uh, she answers Mordecai and she says beautiful words. Mordecai tells her, don't imagine, that you're going to escape you know, from the king's uh, wrath. Like you know, You're going to escape this mission you're given. from the Jews, to go approach the king. If you're going to be quiet, if you're going to remain silent, if you're not going to approach the king, the, the great thing is going to happen from some other place. And you and your father's family will be lost. And who knows if that's not the reason you came to this. You know what? There's a big, huge lesson for all of us here. We always have to look at all these things in Tanakh, not just to look at, you know, nice story, nice sentiment, beautiful words, poetic. What is the message here for us? We each have a mission. Somebody asked me, I told you weeks ago about missions in life and everything. Here's another aspect to having a mission. And that aspect is if somebody is given an opportunity and he wastes it, who knows if he wasn't the one, Hashem has many messengers. If we don't do it, somebody else will. If we don't give the tzedakah for this shul or help help this group take care of these people or help somebody, somebody else will, Hashem has many messengers. But who knows if that wasn't supposed to be our task. And then I, I feel we have to decry the use of the internet. How much time is wasted who knows what we're supposed to do with that precious time that we were given. There are things we can do. There are people that are alone. There's people we can comfort. There's more davening to do. There's more stucca to do. We can help arrange things on the phone to help other people, help other organizations. We all need to unwind sometimes. We, But how much unwinding do we need already? I you know, a lot of people feel all this kind of emotions going on, we have to try to use these things to do tshuva, to, to do chesed, to do the things that we're here in the world to do. That's what we're here in the world to do. You know, Let's remember these words when we hear the Megillah. If we are silent when it's our time, we, the spotlights on us now. We have something we could do for Hashem. Don't be, don't give up your opportunities. We have wasted opportunities. Someone approaches us, we have to know when to say no. Or Scheinberg, Zakhar used to say about Chesed: is a person who knows when to say no. You know, because you can't, if you're saying yes, maybe somebody else is going to suffer. And it could even be you, you know, but for the most part, we should try to help other people or do the things that we're, that we're given an opportunity to do and jump for opportunities. Then Esther told Mordechai, Lech knoseth you to gather all the Jews together. Fast for me, don't eat or drink for three days. I and my uh, maidens will do the same. And then I'm going to go to the king when I was not summoned, Kashera Vadati avadati. Okay, according to the opinions that Esther was married Mordechai, she is no longer allowed back to her husband. Because if a woman does against her will is taken by somebody else, that's against her will. She's allowed back to her husband. But if she's now going on her own to Ahasuerus, she can no longer, she's giving up her marriage. Now, there are many of their opinions in the Gemara that say she was not married to Mordechai. But she could just be meant simply, she may lose her life for going to the king when she was not supposed to go. And then Mordecai did everything Esther told him, and he reported back to everybody about this. Now, parakeh fifth chapter. On the third day, a lot of people take, the Vilna Gong takes this to mean this is all in a figurative sense that Esther, again, also davened. And she said she wore royal clothing. It's being taken in two sense. One, the sense of Beirush, But why would the Megillah tell us this if it wasn't important? And it also said she stood in the chazar base. She stood right against the king. She prayed for her people. You know, we know Kapitzel Khaf Dalid, Keli Keli, Lama Zavtani. This is what Esther said, you know, when she was going to the king's uh, room. Now, and he's sitting on his, his throne, and then when he sees Esther, no and he gives her the sharvit, he gives her the scepter, and she touches it. Now, the, we're told by the medrash, we have a brevda brings down by the medrash, that uh, originally, oh, thank you, thank you. Only you would know. You're right. I, I was thinking that as I said it that it's mainly base. I was thinking you're right. You are. Thank you. are right. It's base not chafdal. Thank you. Only Devorah Polman, but anyways, so the, um, any case, so the, uh, what's it called? So when, when we're told that, um, she, she, she enters the Medrash says at first he was fuming. He sees Esther approach. He says the first wife, these women, the first one I told her to come, she didn't come this one. I don't tell her to come. She comes. They met women. They never do what we want. You know, we're here to test our husbands. You know, this, and they're here to test us. That's the whole purpose. Like when Victor Miller says, a marriage is like sandpaper. It makes both people smooth. By being so rough, it smooths both people out. Everybody really doesn't feel like doing what the other person wants. But by doing so, you smooth yourself out, you know, in in between. In any case, he's about ready. But Hashem, like, suddenly put the chain in her. It was a miracle. He was not ready to be so nice to Esther. Rav Breuer, I forgot his first name, he's the son-in-law of Rosh Hashem once said, an explanation of the Pasuk, What does it mean? What does it mean? means, Hashem puts the Ratzon, he puts the desire in somebody else's heart to want us. Why someone hired for the job? The interviewer just says, I don't know, I think he'll be a good fit, you know? Hashem just put it in the brain of that interviewer, the the rutzon, maspil He gives each person the zone to want. I, I feel like giving him a raise. I feel like marrying him. I feel like doing good for him. That is, uh, you're just a mess. That person's a messenger for Hashem. He gives him the Ratzon. Now, so she's now before the king, and um, so he tells her malach has malka. That means. Point of the villain and go, what, what personal thing do you have? Do you have anything personally risking your life to come here? Is there a personal problem you have? And what's your? Do you have, are you coming here to petition for someone else? I'm not giving you the base of Middash or anything around there, but I'll give you anything else. And Esther says, if you want, you and Haman should come to the mishta that I'm making today. I'm having a party. I want you and Haman to attend the party. Now, um, the you know why did Esther invite the Haman to the Mishta? There are 15 explanations given by the Gemara. We're just going to give you three. Why Esther invited Haman to this party. Number one, he'll let his guard down and perhaps they'll catch him in a trap. That's one. Number two, for the Jews, they should not think they have a sister in the White House, that they should know that they're, their, uh, their dear Esther has invited their arch enemy to the Suda. So they won't give up, let down their guard with the davening. And the third reason, he's presenting a triangle. Here's going to be Haman and the king. Like the king may be very jealous. One man's invited. You're inviting all the ministers. Invite all the ministers. You're inviting this man and my husband and me. So it's a little bit strange. This also maybe would cause, you know, a little bit of a set up a trap for Haman. Now, Esther was willing to be, I heard this from some of the Tyra. Esther was willing to be hated by the Jews in order to put this trap through for the sake of Hashem, you know, to try to trap Haman. And the amazing thing is not one Jew informed on Esther through all these years. Remember, we said that didn't inform on Esther that she was a Jewess, which would have really been till now really problematic. Now, it's amazing. It's a miracle. There were 365 advisors and nobody suspected a trap. Nobody suspected that there was some trap here that was being proposed. Amazing. Now, so they have this party, and he said, "Maru," like it's immediate. The party is right now. So the right away, the next verse, plus six, above the sixth verse, the king tells Esther, "What's your what's your personal request, and what's your uh, you know national request? I'll give you half, to half the kingdom." And Esther says, "This is my personal and my national." Because this is how much she felt for the Jewish people. Have I found favor in your eyes? Come again to another party, and tomorrow I'll do what the king has told me to do. Now, why did Esther, first of all, Esther is risking her life. He invited her to tell him, reveal to him what's sort her of thing. She felt, she, she, she davened Hashem to see a sign. Now, this is something that I would like to explore for myself. I did not find any answers. I will try to bring this to you at some later date. But my question on this is, which is unanswered, is how can you, you know, ask for a sign? I don't know. I know Eliezer asked for a sign with Rivka. So maybe because this was a national thing, he was allowed to ask for a sign. Because usually, you know, we don't go by signs, Usually, I mean, sometimes you do. I've heard of cases where people were in trouble and they said, give me a sign, Hashem, you still love me. I guess it's not an Avera to ask for it. I just read something in this uh, uh, Shimshon, where in fact, um, there was a man in England who asked for a sign that Hashem loves him, that the rabbi should visit him and do bicker colon. And the rabbi came that day. It was a a man all alone who needed a guest. And um, I think he even asked for two different people to show up and both of them specifically showed up the next day. To show them that to show that as simple Jews' prayers are not for naught. Any case, the um, so she uh, you know she asked for a sign. She didn't see a sign, so she says, "You know what? I'm going to keep going until I see a sign." So she wants them now to come to tomorrow until she sees some sign from Hashem that you know that uh, that so the king says, "Okay, we'll give you a, you know tomorrow." So listen, Pasuk Tes, verse nine. Haman left that day. Sameach betovlave. Sameach means happy, and tovlave means he's completely at ease. Why was Haman sameach betovlave? Was he never happy like that before? So listen to the brilliant idea the Vilna Gaon proposes. He says at that moment Haman always had a little niggling, you know, like any megalomaniac, he has a little niggling doubt in his heart. His, his doubt is, maybe, maybe, you know, why is Mordechai not bowing down to me? And why is he, you know, why is he going against me? You know, maybe it's because he has some allies somewhere. I did a background check. And just like Trudeau, you know, can check on all your backgrounds and everything. And, and, and also the Facebook and all these other places can do everything about you. Um, I did a background check. And so far, I think everyone's a supporter. The only person I know, Maybe, I don't know about his Esther. I don't know her background. I don't know who she is. Maybe it's connection with the queen. Maybe that's why Mordecai has the audacity to not bow down to me. So he's all upset. But now when Esther invites him a second time to the party, he says, you know what? Even Esther's on my side. Everything's great. Everything's fine. He feels totally and completely at ease because there's an expression, I believe it's in... Kohalas, Dvor Bowman, tell me if it's a Mishle or not. It says, Lifnei shever ga'on. Before a person falls apart, they are first raised to very high, like it says in Ovadia, if you're going to go up to the cracks of the mountain, the highest peak of the mountain, Hashem. Hashem always makes the oppressors of the Jewish people the greatest leaders of the world, because he anyways wants to punish them. And these people think they're God's gift to man. And that way they really, you know, show what their are metal when they're given so much power. And then after that, they just burst their balloon and they're all gone. So what happened was the um, you know, so he so you know, he he goes home now. And and when he when he, when he sees Mordechai, Mordechai standing in the Shar Hamelech, Mordechai is not going into the royal area again because he's wearing sackcloth, but he stands right at the area where it's still right about right at the, the the gateway to go to the king and below come below zombie menu here in this t- occasion before we said everybody used to fall down on the floor like korib and, and Alenu. they used to fall on the floor prostrate themselves before haman but and he was exempt because he's not in the shar HaMelech. only the people in the royal area had to prostrate but he was standing outside the shar hamelech mordechai not only he didn't have to bow, but he didn't even flinch. He didn't tip his hat to him. He didn't like say, you're prime minister or whatever, nothing. He didn't even move a muscle for him. And then Haman is he's filled, uh, he's filled with anger that one man doesn't bow down to him. As we said before, when a person has a desire for honor, there's no end to it. A person can name because honor coveted is something that's spiritual. If you listen to the Bittachan outline like I do, he says nine times out of 10, when we're upset at somebody, it's because of COVID. Most of the time when people, you know, like you expect your daughter-in-law to talk to you a little differently than she did, or you expect your children to treat you a little differently than they did or anything, mostly because COVID is the hardest trait to eradicate. It's totally a spiritual trait. It's not based on any physical thing at all. It's all spiritual. And people do deserve covet. They do. There is because we have an ashama. We do deserve covet. But we have to fight that, that when it gets to the point where we're jealous and angry and 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 and, and um, vengeful, and all these other things, we have to suspect ourselves of engaging in honorifics. But he said, he controlled himself for five seconds and he went to his house and he brings all his beloved people and Zerish's wife, and he tells them, look, look what he does to. Cool, to calm himself down what does he tell them all his money he's sitting there counting his money i own stocks and, and 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 you know the trump hotel and i just hope it'll stay you know and then he's talking about all his children He has so many children and everything i then the king made him a Gidloya melech he has his uh the the king gave him um uh, he gave him a lot of money and Asa he's the highest prime minister, all his covet and taiva and kinnah and all the things that he has achieved, all the, the external trappings, which doesn't mean he's a better person. Um, and then he said, via Estra Mishta He only brought invited me to the next and next um to the next meal. And also tomorrow I'm invited. The whole Zay Nenu Shoveli, Prosecute Gimel, 13th verse. And all of this is not worthwhile because one man is not bowing down to me. Mordechai, I can't take it. I can't take it. Come on, get your. You know, we do this too in our own little way. We say, I'm not saying it's little. Sometimes people have major problems, but look what a shemi, every Kol of and every breath we take. The, the the sky rising and setting every day. I mean the sun rising and setting, not the sky, the sky is always there. We have all the wonderful people in our lives. We have so much to be grateful for, and we're always fixated on Koze, Madame Choveli. This one thing I don't have. Entitlement. Where is it? Do we forget that Hashem gave us everything we own? Anyways, Ravya Prasman, very famous story, but it's worth repeating. Not Kaddish, but he was a Kaddish, each Kaddish, but he wasn't, he didn't dial, Hashem. He mentioned, covet is so hard to get rid of. People should know as they age, your senses become dulled. You know, your taste buds are not as strong as when you were young, right? Your sense of smell maybe isn't as strong as when you were young. So usually he said, when one person has one sense, one sense that's weak, other senses become stronger. Like often, a blind person can hear better than a regular person. He says, "What becomes more acute as you age? The desire for covet gets stronger and stronger." You expect I'm of age. People should already, you know, they have to look at me and feel, uh, you know, some kind of respect. I'm due respect. And uh, he was once at a meeting of Godolim and one person got up, and he said, "I'm 85 years old. I have one foot in the grave now." You have to listen to me because everything I say is totally the shame shemayim. So vidulei and I say, quote Harav, I'm sorry to say this to you, but as we get older, covet the desire for covet gets older, and it doesn't mean that everything we're doing is the shame shemayim unless we think about it, because we have more of a desire for covet as we get older. So any case, so uh, okay, now so and, and then Zerish told him. Zeresh tells him a piece of advice. He says, you know, I see Mordecai, I don't know what to do. I can't take it. And tomorrow I'm second to the king and I'm going to be at this meal, but I can't take it. Mordecai, look what's going on. So Zeresh said, Yasu etz, a tree should be made. That's the proper dicta here, the proper grammar. You don't tell Haman to do anything. You know, it's, he's going to get, have fall into a terrible tantrum if you tell him to make the tree. She just said a tree should be made. Uh, 50 amos high, amos usually the length from your elbow to the top of your arm. And and, and t- in the morning, tell the king and they'll hang Mordechai on the tree. And when the king goes to the to the party, he'll be very happy. And Haman is very happy with this idea, he makes a tree. But there's a few details that, that, that are added on Rabbi Grevda. And he says like this, she was such a genius. She figured out the trajectory that when Haman sits at the party, they have to make the tree 50 amos high because from there in his backyard, you'll be able to see the next Mordechai, Mordechai swinging in, in the breeze. They'll be able to see from the 50 amos, from that far, he'll be able to see Mordechai you know, swinging. And she says, what does it mean but boker? It's all by itself in the verse. It says, and in the morning, and more lamella. She says like this, listen, there's still a chance that somebody was unchecked, even though this is Stalinist Russia, and perhaps... There is one person that favors Mordechai, so you know what you a, a king gets up maybe eleven o'clock in the morning, you know just like people do Sunday morning. Sometimes they say we had a light in Wavemalco. We're going to get up for davening at eleven, you know. So she said, let you get you get up at four forty-five before hashkama. You get up before Nates, Get up in the morning before anybody comes. Be first in line for the king. Therefore, nobody can influence him for Mordechai. You just tell him you know your thing first you'll be the first person tell him about that hump that Mordecai doesn't bow to you so he's a threat to the monarchy he's a threat he doesn't bow bow, bow to you so even more so he doesn't believe in the king and then you'll go he'll be hanging you'll sit there at the at the Mishnah you'll be very happy and Haman liked the idea they may and by yaas ha'ates that means Haman himself made the tree he made he constructed the gallows himself it says um what is it called? I have a Mikal, Kelis, is Ashura. Love breaks all boundaries. Usually when you love somebody, you don't have to follow the rules. You're just so crazy. You'll call in the morning, you'll call at night. One person once said that being in love is like having the flu. <laughs> any case, the, um, any case, so the, uh, so, so what happens is that Haman, like, uh, just like Avram, he had to, we, he, we do brisk milas in the morning, like Avram did, like, It wasn't an easy thing to do, but his love of Hashem, he says, I'm going to do right away in the morning and do the bris mila, even though it's hard for me to do it. We do it first thing in the morning. Haman couldn't wait. He couldn't sleep all night. He's up and he's sitting, busying himself, making the gallows. Now, something else happened at this point that's mentioned in the medrash that, uh, by the way, also, I forgot to mention, COVID can make somebody physically ill kinetide of and covet any three of them that desire for wealth the desire for uh jealousy or, or desire for honor person can come physically ill it can affect him so terribly it can be get to the point of, of, of i want someone needs to die from some stupid thing you got to get out of your head okay anyways now so what happens that night medrash says that haman goes to shushan he wanted to see the last night of his life there were 22,000 young boys. I, I don't know what the age they began fasting, perhaps six years old, a Gilchenov, the age of Chinov. But everyone, men, women, and children, fasting three days straight. Haman said to all the children, I'm going to shackle you. All 22,000 children, I'm going to put you in chains because tomorrow, the night is your last night in this earth. The Haliga Jewish mamas, the holy Jewish women, what did they do? They they went to their children and they said, my kindlech, you've been fasting for three days. I don't want you to die now. I want you to die, al kiddush Hashem, tomorrow morning. Can you imagine? This is the says I want you to die, al kiddush Hashem. Please take a little bit to eat to break your fast now so you'll be alive for the morning. So when Haman kills you, you'll have died, al kiddush Hashem. You'll go to a holy place. At that moment, nadadash nas Hamelach Hashem said, enough. Jewish women are already giving me a hard time. The Jewish children are already suffering. Now it's time to bring the Yeshua. Now it's time to save the Jewish people. That's what four o'clock in the morning, approximately, um, Achash Beirush wakes, wakes up from a bad dream. What is his dream? It says, What was he dreaming about? He's thinking, you know, usually it says 99% of dreams are things we're worrying about. So he's thinking in his dream. He's thinking, why is Esther not telling me her what she wants? What could be going on? Is she, is there something, you know, is there something that, uh, is there something that, 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 that's against me? That's something, is somebody plotting to take me? And he's hearing voices, Haman wants to kill you. He's, he's, not, he's, he's all confused. He's feeling like, what is going on? Why is Esther not revealing So what does he decide? Maybe there's something, somebody politically against me. Maybe let me look in my book of Chronicles. Maybe there's somebody that once did me a good turn. I never repaid and they're upset at me. So he decides to take out his Zephra, his book of Chronicles. And they were read before the king. The person reading them was Shamshai, one of the sons of Haman. And he kept, when he saw the words about, he starts reading about Bigson the Serish, these Two people planning to kill the king, and and how Mordechai saves his life. Uh, he kept wanting to skip over that, but the king starts noticing. You're skipping something. Read it. Read it. And then finally, he reads it. As sheheged. If you mention, if you notice in Pesach, Basis, it says, as it was set told. In other words, he didn't want to tell it. It was written, but he didn't want to tell it. It talked about Biggs and Messerich that were trying to plot to kill the king's life, and here Mordechai overheard them, and he understood their language. And he had had them, you know, had them killed. And then the then the king asked the question: "Mama say yakar Abdullah, Mordechai was Mordechai ever given? Yakar means was he ever given some type of honor? And gedula is money. Was he? I'm sorry. Yakar is money. I'm sorry. Oh, they always mix this up. Yakar is kavod. Yeah, and gedula is money. Was there ever given? Was he ever paid back this way? And who's here? Nobody's there at four o'clock in the morning, except his pages. Again, the small people save the day. They say, why they want hum and cook. They want Mordechai honored and hum and cook. They can't stand bowing down to him and falling on the floor every time they're doing their work. And they don't like his antics and they're tired of him. So uh, they said nothing was ever done for him. Now the king asks in verse four, Mi this is Perik Vav again, chapter six, verse four. The king says, who's in the courtyard? Now, why is he asking? The answer is, according to this parish, he's seeing the who's advising him right now. For some reason, this time, he doesn't want to hear from the pages, from the butler, the, the person shining his shoes, the person bringing him his breakfast. He doesn't want to hear from the. He says, look, this man saved my life and it's a national thing. I want the world to love me. So he says, is there any advisor around somewhere that we could consult with to say how to pay back this man that saved my life? Because what are you guys going to say? You're going to say Windex, give him bleach for a month. You know, what are you going to say? A, a new vacuum cleaner? Like, you know, this is your, this is your saga. This is where you're thinking. I want to hear like from a, from a higher up a advisor. I want to hear what do we do to honor this man? I want to hear higher advice here. So just then, He's first in line. Why? Because he's going to tell about this terrible man named Mordechai that deserves to be hung. And he's just how happens has the gallows in his backyard, you know, whatever. And all he's about to come with this. And then, um, and then the <laughs> fifth verse, and then R.A. Melch says, he may come on there's Haman right there. Oh, boy, is this going to be a treat? Now, Haman's out there. And he said, come. Haman walked in and he says, What should we do for a man that the king wants to? Yekaro means honor. Now it doesn't say monetary reward, just says honor. How would you honor somebody? So Human's thinking, I'm the second richest man in this kingdom. So it must be me because, um, of course you think that way when you're Hum. It must be me. He says, you know, like, because after all, Money I don't need. So he just wants to give honor. It must be me. So that's why he repeats it. Uh, and he told him, Who else are they going to do? Muhammad says, He's repeating the words. He's relishing the words. He's thinking, what do I want? What do I want? Now, COVID, it's so stupid. It's like a childish thing. Someone's going to honor you. No one's going to even know about you a year from now. You know? But what he says, oh, they should bring the, the, the clothing that the king wears and the horse that the king uses. And then and 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 then they should even put the, the crown of the king and um and then they, they they take it on this person and they're gonna walk him around and they're gonna say, This is a man the king wants to honor. Bring him on for two hours. It's like a child wanting to dress up as a policeman on forum, says Rebe Brevda. You know, he's a press policeman, but then two hours later, his mother's gonna say, Go to bed. You had enough for today, you know. It's a dream. It's a stupid. It's nothing. It's illusory. But people run after these t- honorifics, these titles. Their name on the plaque. They want their. They want that everybody should know what they did. And the Rev. Victor Miller always says, "Try to do one thing a day that nobody knows about, because it doesn't matter what people think." Rabbi Lowy once tells me, "It doesn't even matter if your kids should know about it. Even for Henna there should be something your kids don't even know." um any case so the king says to Haman hurry up take this lavush and the sus and do it to Mordechai Yehudi don't leave one thing out why did they say one thing out because they knew he doesn't want to really do any of those things to Mordechai and then Haman took all these things and he gets him dressed Now Haman was formerly a barber and um you know he had to give him a haircut first and then Mordechai made it really difficult for him because for an Amaleki you're allowed to like you know, drive, drive him nuts. You're allowed to drive him nuts because just it's, it's a God-hating man who not only doesn't believe in God, but exactly like against God. So he's allowed to do all these spiteful things to him. And, um, as, as anyways, and so anyways, uh, so they, they, he drives him around the town and he says, this is what they're going to do to for a man that the king honors. One, one moment, Mrs. Weisswasser. One moment, <clears throat> we are just we're having a little technical difficulty. Okay, my apologies. Are you able to go back one sentence? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Now, so the um, the, the so, so they the, now what happened at this scene? The very famous Medrish, Humman's daughter. Humman's daughter was bathing on the roof, with all of her. Uh, perfumes in the bath and all kinds of who knows what else and she's looking down and she sees one man leading another man on a horse with the whole royal thing and she figured this is my brilliant mother Zeresh it must be that you know Mordechai is doing this he's honoring my father and then later Mordechai is going to be killed so she is so upset she you know she, she takes her bath water she spills it it falls on her own father Cause she thought this was Mordecai was her father but her, she, he, she looks down. He looks up to see who did it. Their eyes meet, And one thing Amalek did children of Asa, they honor their parents no one ever honored his father like Asaf. She was so distraught. She jumped off the roof and killed herself. This is uh, this is what we know from the Medrash. This is what happened now. Cause uh, okay. So this is what happened now. The um, the the interesting thing here is that okay no we'll we'll t- mention this a little bit later. Any case the um, okay now the next verse so now so Yud base the twelfth verse Mordechai goes back to the Shar HaMelech, he sees the Yeshua the the salvation is not there totally yet he continues davening continuing to daven. And why is he called Avel? Because he just lost his daughter. The hafui rosh and humiliated that he had all this bath water poured over him besides the fact that he had to lead you know, the king's thing. So he's stinking with stinking bath water. He's all wet. He just lost his daughter. And now all of a sudden he's telling Zeresh while well, everything happens. And she says, if it's from the Jewish people, you're, not, you're gonna fall. And they're still talking. What, she sh- what they should have said was, he didn't have even time to tell her, take down the tree, take down the tree, it's incriminating evidence now, take down the tree, didn't have time, didn't have time, he was taken immediately in that condition to the party of Esther, the second party, and they took him by Helios Haman, he just immediately Yeshua, Hashem, Gehara, I and it's Hashem by us, we don't know how, we all look at the political side, we think this polit- political move could help us, if this one wins, if this one loses, we already, everybody was saying, oh, if Trump gets back in, it's going to be great, Trump didn't get back in, now we say, if this happens, it's going to be great, we don't know, Hashem has other ideas that we never could dream of, that could happen to save us at any given time. Seventh chapter. Now they melech and Haman come to come to the second uh, party and they're coming to drink, of course. And it's not uh, you know, it's not just water or Perrier. And in any case, the he tells to Esther on the second day, what do you want personally? What do you want for your people? And then she gives a beautiful speech. Give me my, my people are my heart, and, and every my people are myself and everything. It's all one. And because somebody's coming, we're sold. Be, we're, we are sold now to be destroyed totally. And I would be quiet. She hears this, her big line. If, it, if we'd be avadi mushpachostim karnu if it would only be for money for the king, that we'd be slaves, that would be good enough. But no, we're not even going to be good for slaves now. She's trying to appeal to a sense of money because that's probably all he cares about because uh, it's not equal that the loss he's going to have by getting rid of my people. So he says, who is this person that wants to do this to you? Now, they say that Esther's speech, by the way, it's Megillah's Esther. What makes Esther so great is her self-sacrifice, that she's willing to sacrifice her life on two account. Many times, To sacrifices her marriage, to get married to such a king, sacrifices her life for, to be, be, you know, and, and and instead of taking Botox and, and getting us drinking energy drinks before she goes to the king, she's fasting for three days. She probably, you know, can imagine how you look after Yom Kippur, imagine what, three days of fasting, what she must have looked like, you know? And then she, she, she's, you know, she looks like this and because it's all tefillah, she's davening the entire time and she's unafraid of anybody, but we're told that, Esther's appeal here ba- barely made a dent. The real thing that changed the whole Megillah are a few things. One is, we're get, well, they're coming up. <laughs> they're all coming up. But not, what she said now makes a little dent, but not, it's not going to save the day for the Jewish people. So sometimes you don't have to do the action that makes you the heroine. It's your intent, your thought, your self-sacrifice, willing to be mavatar, willing to overcome your nature. Like Raphaska Levenstein once said, that he enjoyed always overcoming his nature. Like he would always choose the side of the difficult, because that would be the side that he improves himself more. Anyways, what's happening now? So she tells him, "Vatomer Esther, Ish Oye, who is my enemy? The Medrish says she was gonna point at Akash she was so unafraid, so thinking only ha- she's talking to Hashem the whole time during this conversation, begging Hashem, This, you know, all only Hashem is a center focus of her, of her, uh, of her speech. And then she was, but the Malach came, pushed her hand away and pointed it at Haman. That's how unafraid, because he was an anti-Semite too. He's willing to kill the Jews. So any case now, so the, um. So the, 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 he got up with tremendous anger, Pusik Zion, chapter, verse seven, and he went to his garden. Why did he go to the garden? So says the Medrash, he wanted to relax. He doesn't want to make the same move he made with Vashti. So it says, we're told in the Gemara that green and blue are colors that calm people down. That's why we want to look and we have summer. That's why summer is so relaxing. The green and blue. It's a good color to put in your house, green and blues. They make you calm. The Vilna Gone had a blue ceiling, by the way, in his private room. You know, it's to remember Hashem. Um, but, um, but also blue and green happen to be very calming colors. He's going out there. The Medrash says that there was a-, a shem made like winds blowing and things were falling down, so he shouldn't relax so much. And he hears voices that Haman is destroying the garden. He's hearing voices. So he, this, is, this is strike one, really. And he is Haman. She just incriminated him that he uh, wants to kill my people. And he didn't say yet who, which people she is. She still hasn't revealed herself as a Jew. Which would maybe also not be so great, but he says killing my wife's people, and also I'm hearing he's destroying my garden. So he's really fuming. He can't calm down from being in the garden. Amad shall He goes up to Esther's couch. You know, they all were in the harems on their couches like that. So he's lying on the couch, and and um, he's he's trying to. It, it said it looked like he was about to kill her because he kept falling on her couch Hashem made that happen and it looks like he's trying to kill her so the king says oh now you're on. three strikes it looks like you're getting rid of the queen like you're trying to kill her people you're trying to fall over on the couch and also you're trying to destroy my garden and he's coming back and he's no fill alamita that's plus and then that he says you also want to conquer my queen and and Haman is like totally like uh, you know embarrassed and then Harvona some people say Harvona was either his former best friend, Human's best friend. Some people other people say he was one of the people that brought Human to the party. And at the party, he overheard them talking about the gallows that Human made. As Erish remember was telling about they talking about the gallows right before he left, right before he was picked up for the first party. So Harvona just adds on a small line. Oh, Gamha Ha'etz, there's also a tree in his backyard that he wanted to hang up Mordechai. you know, the one that, that they just said that saved the king's life. Uh, and, and the king says, hang him on that tree. Now that rule was established by Haman himself, that now the king can request for anything personal. Anything personal, the king is a total autonomy. And they hung him up on the tree that he was playing for Mordechai, And then the king is calmed down. Now, um, we find in Perak we're not going to cover everything here, but we're going to cover some extremely amazing highlights for another 10 or 15 minutes max. Any case, the king gave Ahasuerus the house of Haman. What's the significance there? You may have wondered a question that I, I learned from Rabbi Galinsky's at He says, how could he take the house of Haman? You're not allowed to take anything from Amalek. You're not allowed to own, like you're supposed to destroy them and their property. But that was what Sheol Hamel did wrong. He didn't destroy the cattle. He thought it would be good for Corbin. How could he not destroy the house of Haman? Why did he give it to Mordecai? They gave everything. Because one time the king gave Mordecai and Haman each uh, money. And they were supposed to do some mission for the king. And uh, Haman lost all his money. So Mordecai said, I'll lend you money, but you have to agree on paper to be my slave. So Haman signed to it. So now anything that belonged to Haman really belongs to Mordecai. That's how we got around that loophole that everything belongs to him. But there's another big message. And that message, he says, is the idea of fighting the Sahara. We have to know when we see some sinister enemy, be it a politician, and there are plenty of them today, be it governments, be it anything that looks that they're out to harm us in any way, we have to realize that ultimately that person is going to have a downfall Chai, the Jewish people always live. And so too the eight Sahara. it may be a momentary temptation but ultimately it fades away. You know, like it's, it fades away. Um, and afterwards you see that it was nothing. You see the whole thing was nothing. And it meant nothing. Something that really seemed like a real threat is gone. Look at all the horrible enemies of the Jewish people. Where's the Greek empire? Where's the Roman empire? Where's the Spanish with all their inquisitions? Where are all the, you know, the, 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 the Bolsheviks? Um, I mean, the whatever, the, the whatever they called the Romanov dynasty and all these other people that the Chalmanitsky the, the and all these people that tormented us, they're gone. They're not here anymore. And we're still here. And the Eitzahara has that same thing. At a moment, it's burning. You have to save this lashon hara. You have to do this dastardly thing. And then five minutes later, it's gone. And same thing. Haman ultimately, his whole house went to Mordechai. Unbelievable, you know. And you know, and he's he's the one you think least likely to get his home. He's the one who didn't flinch. Uh, then he gave him his ring, and he gave it to Mordechai. Now, Pasa Gimel. I'm, I'm not going to go into details, but all the Apostle Gimel, according to the Vilna Gaon, all these are different forms of prayer. Tosef is like psuche to zimra. Tadaber lifnei melech is Daber Hashem al that's Shema. And she fell, that's tachanun, and she cried, that's Shmona Esrei. She was still davening because they still didn't take away the decree from the Jews. So he gave her permission. She's now allowed to take back all those decrees from before that destroyed the Jews on the thirteenth of Adar. Now the Jews can take revenge on the thirteenth of Adar of all these, you know, uh, of all these enemies of theirs. Okay. So uh, it, t- it talks about you know they can they can go, um, and we know this is where we learn the laws of Shushan Purim that if, if you lived in Shushan. You had an extra day to take it against your enemies because they claimed there were a lot of extra anti Semites in Shushan, particularly. So they had an extra day and then they rested on the 15th day of Adar. So that is basically a synopsis of the ninth chapter. Now, in, in the tenth, and I'm sorry, eighth chapter, in the ninth chapter, oh, one more minute. Wait, is this, uh, yes, I do have to get into this. Pusik Tesva, Parakhes, chapter eight, verse 15. Mordechai yatsali fneha melech. Mordechai went in front of the king. Bilvush malchus. There's five different terms used of the different things he wore. Tcheiles, sahav, It's argaman. Uh, he wore five different garments, and Shushan was very happy. Now, five different expressions of crying were used for Mordechai in the Megillah. It says Vyikra. He tore his clothes by Yilabash Sakfa Efer. No, sack is one. I'm sorry, sackcloth. He wore sackcloth. He wore he put on dust on his clothes. Sakagdola umara. Those five expressions were paid back by the five forms of royal garments that Mordechai later wore. He wore five garments because of the suffering that he had for the Jewish people. He was paid back. We find this many times. When we give in for other people, we get paid back double. Leah, when she was expecting Dina, she says, I'm going to have an extra shaveth. I'm going to have an extra tribe. And my sister is going to be so humiliated. She only has one child and I have seven. So she davened it should be a girl. And she had Leah, uh, Dina. And look what happened. Dina got taken by Shrem. It looks like Leah and her great dreams and ideas are, are lost. She gets taken by Shrem. But what happens? Leah has a daughter with Shrem and her name is Asnas." And Asnas marries Yosef and she has two and come from Leah, from Yosef, because she wants to give up a sheva to give to her sister. Rachel, she gets two in return. Sometimes we think we're giving up for another person we're really getting. So too here, Mordechai gave up so much of his life for the Jewish people and he didn't lose out, he gained. Now, Another point we learned from this, we're almost ending, so just do not fear. I want to say a few more things. Um, another point we learned from all this, I hope you can all stay with me. You can always leave if you don't want to stay with me, but just give me a little longer. I just want to get the whole Megillah in there. Why did he have to wear five clothes? Interesting, it says in, in the, in the, in the, in the Mara, why did, Yosef, why did um, Mordechai wear five clothes? Because when Yosef was reunited with his brothers, he gave Binyamin five clothes. And later, who was going to wear the five clothes? It's a simmon for the future that Mordechai will have five clothes. And he also gave Binyamin 300 uh, pieces, I believe, of, co- of 300 coins. I forgot if they were silver or gold. I don't remember. In any case, think about that. Mordechai got his greatness because of Binyamin getting the greatness with Yosef, a sign. But wasn't that the worst possible thing for Yosef to do? Didn't the whole problem of Yosef being sold happen because the brothers were jealous of him? Now, when he first meets them, he gives his only brother, Benjamin everything, and he gives everybody else. He gave him gifts, but he gave Benjamin, in addition, which is exactly what went wrong in the first place. He gave him five garments, right? And he gave him 300 pieces of gold. How do we understand that? So I saw Rav Mordechai Miller from Gateshead says the following. He brings, the Sephorno says, he gave those gifts to, to Benjamin to atone for his being sold. How? It says a Jewish slave being sold to a non-Jew is worth 300 gold coins. They all owed Yosef 300. So he says, I'm giving it to Benjamin to atone for your sin. And the five garments also, we'll see in a minute, why does it connect with Mordechai here in the, in the, Mish, in the Megillah? Because it says, um, uh, it, 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 that's uh, the Gavar and Megillah, by the way, that says that statement, that it's, the, it's to, a remez for Mordechai. Why? Because it says about Mordechai that uh, at the very end of the Megillah, where is it? Mordechai Yehudi Mishnah Lamelech Mordechai Yehudi, when he wears his five garments, every Jew is applauding. You deserve to be richer than us. You deserve to live in a mansion. You deserve to give. Why? Because you always are using it to help us. That's, if a person wants to avoid jealousy of any kind, if you show that you are a community person, a tzibur mensh, your person that helps you, Sarchet chay tzibur Mensch. mensh, if you help other people, people can't be jealous of you. They say, "Let them have it. Let them enjoy it." So the same thing when he gave him the five clothes uh, to to Benjamin, he's trying to show, "I'm giving you 300 coins to atone for you." The five garments are also. You should know anything from now on that somebody else acquires. I'm doing it out of all my love. You can't hate a person like that. You can't hate a Mordechai. You can't hate someone that's only been out for you all the time. Okay, so. Let's just finish up here a few things, a few different ideas. One is, we have to remember something, but this whole idea, of so much of Megillah, is, it says he's Gadol, he's Mordechai Gadol, the only other person called Gadol in the whole Tanakh is Moshe Rabbeinu. Why were they both called Gadol? Both these people were willing to stand up for the truth, even if they were unpopular. This is a big lesson, says the Sif Chaim the more you are unafraid to stand up for Hashem and not be embarrassed, the greater you become. And he even ventures to say, the the countries which were the most assimilated in World War II were hit by, were, were, uh, were eliminated by Hitler. The less, like Hungary was one of the least assimilated countries. It was the least attacked by Hitler compared to other places which were more assimilated. So we have to believe that if a person speaks his mind, he doesn't lose out. This is very important for ladies to remember Shalakmanna's time. You know, not to impress people. We're not here to impress people. We're here to, to, to do just like to give. We are here to give on forum. Haman wanted to, to destroy all the Jews. We're here to give. We're here to give and give and give and care. And not to think what people think of us, if it looks nice, if it doesn't look nice, if it's uh if the bows are are not on straight, whatever. You know, we're here to, to, to make another person feel good. We're not here for ourselves. Another thing to think of, you know, Purim is supposed to be the complement to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, we totally deprive ourselves. And um, on Purim, we totally use this world. We show, you know, in, in, this is the time the Jews reaffirmed their commitment to the Torah, even when things were hidden. It's a hidden day. But we are supposed to feel inside about Hashem, even though everything outside of us is crazy. And for a woman, it's not just crazy. It's very difficult, a lot of work, a lot of work involved in forms, constant on the go. But if our kavanas are proper, if we think of Hashem, if we think of what we're here in the world to don't get taken by this world, which is the biggest test, then we're really affirming, reaffirming our commitment to Torah. The, ten, the, the, the luchos were given on Yom Kippur, the second set. And, and that's when we accepted the Torah, so to speak, but we did it with deprivation. Now we're doing it with Simcha. We are accepting the Torah. It's why it's a coupling to Yom Kippur and it, it, it fulfills us. Also, one more thing we should keep in mind is, um, so we said a lot of things today. We talked about not flaunting what we have, how to fight the Yitzhahara to remind ourselves that, um, that ultimately Yitzhahara is just temporary and then it, it leaves us. Where we talked a lot about the tvila, 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 the whole pericolitis and, and, and a lot of pericolitis, all about tvila, The little people matter, how this whole thing unfolded was beyond understanding, how this whole story, how human how happened to be there and the whole thing, how they happened. The last thing I want to leave you with is something you may have heard before, which is amazing. It's been studied. There are three small letters when they talk about the 10 sons of Haman being hung. Uh, There's three small letters in the Megidola, and the three small letters are Tuff, Shin, Zion. That works out to 1946. In 1946 were the Nuremberg Trials, and 10 Nazis were hung at that time. Actually, one Nazi died in prison that day, and that was Goebbels. Goebbels was gay. He declared himself later gay. That could be equivalent to the daughter of Haman that died on that day, by the way. That's how it works out. The 11 children of Haman died that day. 11 Nazis were killed. The 10th Nazi to be hung said, Purimfest, 1946. Who would know that there's an allusion to 1946 in the Megillah? The Megillah is our our book for Gullis. And Mets Hashem, this should be the last time we have to read the Megillah. Maybe we shouldn't even make it to the Megillah. Mashiach should come today, right now, this minute, with Cookie Dubinsky and Rivka Shavsa leading the way. But in any case, we... In any case, we um, we, we feel that um, the you know that if we want to have Mashiach, we have to have these Midas that are that, that they're willing to sacrifice for Ashton, not to be afraid of what people think, to not let the hour terrify us. That do tshuva, we should do tshuva shlema no matter what the decree. Look what happened, Purim Fest, nineteen forty-six. There was some kind of payback. Of course, they're going to get a bigger fire roasting in the world to come for all of them and and their deeds but right now this is what we did see that there was a manifestation why did he say the word purim fest it was not purim they killed they died they saw 10 people hung it was quite a quite a manifestation if you think about it and we have to think how this world is a temporary place and we have to sanctify it by our deeds on purim i thank you for listening i thank for the amazing stupendous one and only who makes this happen and I thank the, the, all of you lovely ladies who I enjoy seeing and spending time with. Thank you for listening. I wish you all a frelicha. A frelicha for simcha purim, purim sameach and kol to vsella. Sameach. Thank you. divorce.